kids, you know. And it's kind of funny, when my daughter was getting married over there, um, we were, this was back in, uh, earlier in the year, and uh, so there were lots of people coming. We knew it. We knew there'd be lots coming, but we only had food for so many, you know. And, and uh, people were showing up at the gate of the hall, and they were like, well, we're part of Anthony's family. Well, I don't know if they're part of Anthony's family or not. I had never seen them before. And so I would, I'd go get to Anthony's mother, and I'd say, do you know these people? She said, I don't know them. <laughs> I said, well, that's Anthony's mom, so I'm sorry. You have to wait outside the fence, you know. And, and uh, people just wanted to be a part. But, you know, they really couldn't be a part unless they were part of the family, unless they were part of the, the guest. Uh, Jesus told the story of the man that's standing there in the kingdom of heaven, and he doesn't have on the wedding garment, and somehow he got in, but he wasn't supposed to be there. And you know, it'd be a terrible thing to walk into a, a building, sit in a chair, sing songs, enjoy food, have fellowship, even know people in the church, but then someday stand before God and God say, I don't know you. Because if God says, I don't know you, he says, depart from me. So I don't know about you, that'd be the most terrifying words to ever hear. Is to hear God say, you can't be in heaven. And so very simple message this morning, answering that question that the man spoke to Philip the evangelist saying, what doth hinder me to be baptized? Let's pray this morning. Father in heaven, Lord, I pray you would help us today. And Lord, as we look at some simple scriptures that God, you would guide us, you would direct us, and Lord, you would touch hearts. Um, Lord, I remember when you began to speak into my heart about my need of salvation, even though I was raised in the church and going to church and doing the things the church did, I was not a Christian. And Lord, um, Father, the, the wonderful little essay we just had read a little bit ago about our dear sister Anne and um, God, so many people, Lord, in this world, Father, need the gospel. And so, Lord, I pray this morning you would just reaffirm in our hearts and speak to us. And, Father, may we understand the great truth. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Back up with me, if you would, in this chapter and let us read a few other verses to get the setting leading up to that question. And it would be in verse number 25 is where we'll pick up the reading. The disciples have been out preaching. And if you read the early part of the chapter, a man named Simon had believed and was baptized and there was some problems in his life. And then Peter came and kind of dealt with some of those things. And they're leaving that scene. In verse 25, it says, And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And let me just say this morning, as we read through these verses, I'll make some comments. That is the business of the church. And praise God for Mountain View Baptist Church. I believe that what God is bringing your church to, um, it's kind of like this. How many of you um, have children? Raise your hand, all right? And you raised your children so they would live with you until the day you die, right? I'm, I'm, I'm talking about being treated as a child. You still have to cook, clean, make their bed, wash them, and all those things. No, no, no. You raised your children so they would grow up, right? And, and then you're looking forward to that day when your children find that right person and, you know, they stand in the church and they say, I do, right? Not because you're excited about the marriage, but you're excited about the next thing that's going to take place. Amen? 
Um, I just flew to Ecuador, and, um, you know, I told people I was going down to preach for my son-in-law. No, no, no. I was going to see my grandson. Amen? And um, I got a one-year-old grandbaby down there I hadn't seen, and him and I just had a time, all right? And um, my, my daughter was saying, Dad, what's wrong with you? I said, I'm Grandpa. I'm not preacher this week, amen? And uh, I was on the floor reading, having a great time with him, because you love to have those children's children, you know? And um, that's an exciting thing. And, uh, you know, the church is kind of the same way. Um, 25 years old, it's kind of exciting to think that the church is going to lay hands on a young man and send him out to do the ministry. It's what churches are supposed to do. Churches are supposed to reproduce churches. That's God's plan, right? And what a joy it'll be when Mountain View Baptist Church says, Somewhere, we have helped plant another church out of our church. That's what the disciples were doing. That's what the apostles were doing. They were going around and they were preaching the gospel everywhere. And that's what we are all supposed to be doing. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are to be preaching the gospel, giving the gospel to people where you live, where you work, um, always trying to share that. So that's what they're doing. In the middle of this, we come to verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, and Philip was the evangelist. He was one of the um, early men in the church back in the book of Acts that they appointed to, to serve and help the pastors. The angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem, for to worship was returning, and sitting in his chariot, he read Isaiah the prophet. And so, you see the setting. Here is some men that are busy in the work of God. If you want God to work, you need to work. Many people are sitting down, and they're waiting, and they're saying, we're waiting for God to do something. Let me just say, God is waiting for us to do something. God is waiting for us to be obedient to what we know in the scriptures. Isn't that a joy? You don't have to do everything in the scriptures because you don't know everything in the scriptures. I don't know everything in the scriptures. But as God teaches us and as God instructs us, he expects us to be obedient. And that's why it's different for every person in this room this morning because all of us are different growths of our spiritual life. That's why we don't look around the room and compare ourselves to each other. That's why I don't look around and compare myself to anybody else. And your pastor doesn't compare you to somebody else. Every person, you know, I don't compare my one-year-old grandbaby with my eight-year-old grandchild. You wouldn't do that, right? Because they are different expectations. You don't compare people among people. But there is an expectation that if God has taught you something, you are doing it. And so if you're a believer in Christ this morning, have you obeyed what God says? What's the first thing God says to do? We're going to do it today in just a little while, amen? There's going to be a baptism. That's the first step of obedience. The Bible says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Now, sometimes people get it out of order. Sometimes people got baptized and they weren't a believer. Sorry, that baptism doesn't work because it wasn't in the proper order. God says salvation, believing first, baptism second. 
And then they assembled with the church. And that's why some people say, well, I've assembled with the church and I come to church every Sunday and I, I'm faithful and I give money and I, I do church things and I help people. And, you know, all those good things are nice. But the sad thing is they're meaningless. They're meaningless because they have no foundation to sit on. Because the first thing is salvation. And one of Satan's greatest traps is getting people doing good things instead of doing the Bible. Salvation. So many people are going to say, Lord, Lord, did I not many wonderful works in thy name? And Jesus is going to say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. So you've got to get it in the right order. But if you want God to use your life as a believer, get busy, amen? Find something to do. I tell people all the time, if you don't know what to do, just come to the pastor and say, Pastor, is there anything to do for the Lord? (laughs) You better sit down. He's going to give you a big list. There's lots of things to do for the Lord. Everything. There's so many things to do for the work of God. And um, you need to get busy. And if you get busy doing the work of God, then you're going to get the guidance of the Spirit of God. At your workplace, if any of you are in supervisor or leadership positions, when you need something done, which employee do you ask to do it? The one that sits there all day and does nothing or the one that does, gets things done? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? There are people out there and you don't ask them to do anything. Why? Because they don't do anything. If I ask them to do it, I know they're not going to do it. I'm just going to do it myself anyhow. So if you want something done, you look for the person that what? Gets things done. You want God to use your life? Get some things done. Get up and read your Bible. Pray. Give out a gospel tract. That's what they were doing. They're busy preaching, and the Lord says, Philip, there's the man doing something. Go out in the desert. And he gets out in the desert, and he finds all these chariots, and the Spirit of God tells him, look back at your Bible again, in verse 29, The Spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And the chariot he told him to join himself to is this rich, educated, powerful man, religious man, and he's reading the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah. And Philip comes running alongside of him, and he hears him reading the scriptures. Isn't that wonderful? Wouldn't you like to have that happen in your life? Wouldn't you like to have God kind of nudge your heart and say, Go down that street and and you walk down the street and God says, go knock on that door. And you knock on that door and somebody says, hello. And you say, well, I'm I'm out here from the church and, oh, come on in. I was just reading my Bible, amen. (laughs) Because we know most of the time when you knock on the door and you say, I'm from the church, they say, go away. (laughs) I don't want the Bible. Wouldn't it be fun to find the person reading the Bible? Do you think this only happened like in the first century and God quit doing these things? Not at all. God is still doing it today. You see, the Spirit of God is still working in the United States of America. The Spirit of God didn't leave America and go to Africa and India and China. The Spirit of God is still working in Custer, South Dakota or the nearby towns or the nearby places. Um, that's why I get excited about when people are eager. If you heard the testimony um, in the video earlier, 
um, when Pastor Byers was talking about how that um, there were some people here that wanted a what? A church. That's the Spirit of God. And the, the Spirit of God is still working in places. The Spirit of God is still drawing people unto Him. I want to be involved in it, don't you? I get excited when I go somewhere and I find that God has already done the work in people's lives and hearts, and I just get to walk in and enjoy it. Amen? That, that's really what evangelism is all about. Yes, we're busy working, we're busy praying, we're busy giving out tracts, we're busy doing the ministry that we're supposed to be doing, but all of a sudden you just walk into a place where the Spirit of God is working. That's what Philip comes up to. He finds this man. Now, take for just a moment tonight, or this morning, and think about that, that, that eunuch, what we just read there in verse number 27. Um, this was a powerful man. This was a rich man. This was a man of prominence. This was a man that, you know, had all these great things. And he had even come to Jerusalem to worship, which is very interesting. Why did he come to Jerusalem to worship? Because he was seeking after the true God. I mean, he could have stayed in he could have stayed in Egypt. What type of gods did they worship in Egypt? False gods. But see, he was really seeking to worship the true God. But here's the problem. He didn't know him. He didn't know him. And that's the problem with religion today. There are people that go to churches. They're good people in the sense that they're trying to do right. They, they, you know, they're trying to raise their family. They're trying to be a good employee or a good employer. They're, they're trying to be an honest and upright citizen. They, they even give money and, and try to help missionaries. And I mean, I, I, I'm all the time. I'm a recipient of people all the time. They're trying to do good things and they want to help. They find out you're building an orphanage, you're buying a motorcycle, and they, they want to give and do those things. But that's not enough. In fact, all of those things are meaningless without Jesus Christ. Somehow the man had even acquired a portion of the scriptures. You got to understand, to have a, the scroll of Isaiah, to have a part of that scroll, that would have been an expenditure. Everybody just didn't have those copies. They didn't have, you know, the printing machines. They had the ink and the, the writing. You ever study how they, how they copied the scriptures and the, the labor that went into it to making sure that every little jot and tittle was exactly perfectly the way it should be? If they made a mistake, they had to fix it. Too many mistakes, you had to burn it and make a new one. It was rare to have a copy of the word of God. And he had that Isaiah scroll. And not only did he have it, he was reading it. Amen? <laughs> because we all know people that have Bibles, right? There are more Bibles in circulation in the, in, in the world right now than there ever been, all right? But he was actually reading the scroll. He's not just reading it, he's studying it. He's thinking about it. Listen to what it says in verse number 30. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And boy, the Bible tells us, How shall they hear? Romans says, How shall they hear without a preacher? You know, I believe the word of God is all powerful. But the Bible says that faith cometh by hearing. Hearing. 
and hearing by the word of God. Well, I believe in the great value of giving out gospel tracts. And, and I know people can read them and, and understand and be saved. But I'll tell you what, God's primary method of getting people to a place of understanding the scriptures is verbal. It's you and I telling people what God says. Here's this man, educated. You know, it wasn't like he couldn't read it. It wasn't like he didn't have a mind to think about it. But he said, how can I understand it? Except some man should guide me. You know, it's amazing to me how the false teachers of the world are very busy out engaging people. Everywhere I travel, you can say, see the cult groups, the false groups, and they are out there, they're out there, they, they're just all the time engaging people because there are many people that have many questions. The problem is they're giving them the false answers. They're telling them bad doctrines. They tell them that if you want to go to heaven, you need to be baptized in their church. They tell them if you want to go to heaven, you must reform your life and become a very good person and follow their rules in their church. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it is Jesus Christ. And then there are those that use Jesus, but it's the false Jesus. And they say, well, if you want to be born again, if you want to go to heaven, you need to have an emotional experience, whether it's a tingling feeling or a tongue speaking or, you know, some type of a wow. And people are resting on those feelings. And when the feelings leave, they don't know what to do. It's not a feeling. You're not saved by your feelings. You're saved by faith through grace, the word of God. I'm thankful for that this morning because you're not always going to feel saved. Somebody told me that one time. They said, oh, preacher, I always feel saved. I said, you must be a liar. No, no, I really, I always feel saved. Okay, put your hand right here. Let me get a hammer and I'm going to smash your nail. Let me ask you if you're still going to feel saved, especially if you used to be a rough old sailor construction worker guy. <laughs> All that oof's going to come out. <laughs> so, wow, you still feel saved? <laughs> you don't always feel saved. Have you ever sinned and wondered how you could ever sin like that as a Christian? Have you ever said to yourself, how could I have done that? I'm a Christian. You don't always feel saved. But if you're saved, you're saved, Amen by the blood of Jesus Christ forever. Right. Many false teachers out there, and they're capturing people. But all oh, that we that have the truth should be out there and saying, do you understand? Do you understand what this is about? And when they say, no, how can I accept somebody should help me? I'm here to help you. <laughs> Not because I'm anybody, but somebody helped me. Somebody, somebody showed me. And what they showed me, I can show you. Have you ever done that with somebody? I mean, have you ever seen somebody trying to do something and they're trying to put it together and you say, here, let me show you. And they say, well, how do you know? Don't say, just because I'm the smartest guy in the world and I know everything. You liar. You YouTubed it. Isn't that right? And somebody showed you. How many of you have ever fixed something with YouTube? Yeah. And the rest of you won't admit it. <laughs> Oh, well, no, nobody's ever showed you how to use YouTube yet. All right, there you go. All right. Don't you hate those YouTubers that show you how to fix it and as right to the, get to the end, they say, ha, just joking, did you break it like I broke mine? doesn't work that way. You want to know the truth, amen? But do you see what I'm saying? 
Because if you're saved here today and you know you're going to heaven, somebody showed you. And all you need to be doing is showing somebody else. And so he starts there in Isaiah. And you could go back and you could read the, the, the text in Isaiah later on if you'd like to. But he reads right there. Let's just read what he says right there in Acts chapter number 8. The place of the scripture, verse 32, which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And so he's reading this, and the eunuch in verse 34 says, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet? This of himself or of some other man? Now, if you were to go back to Isaiah and you were to read the verse preceding what he just read to Philip, it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. So this this eunuch already understands that he has a problem. And you've got to understand this eunuch has just came to Jerusalem to worship. When he got to Jerusalem to worship, you understand that that worship, the, the worship of the children of Israel was all about sacrifices sacrifices, sacrifices. And why were those sacrifices made? Because of sin. But Hebrews tells us in chapter 10 that those sacrifices that were offered offered daily never took away sin. Never. Not one time. And that's obvious, right? Right? Because if those sacrifices took away sin, then those sacrifices could have ceased. But they had to keep coming and offering sacrifices and offering sacrifices. But yet he reads about one sacrifice that takes away sin forever. Now you get those credit card applications in the mail, right? And those credit card applications, you know, pay your bills, pay your bills, pay your bills. Wouldn't you like to get one that said, this credit card will pay your bills and you just have to pay a one-time fee and you never pay anything else? It doesn't exist, don't worry. (laughs) But you'd say, where do I sign up for that one? (laughs) Because I know that other credit card, yeah, it has a fee and every time I use it, I have to pay. (laughs) And I use it and I pay. That was like the Old Testament sacrifices. Every time you sin, you have to what? Pay. And now he's hearing about this sacrifice that pays for it all. What's the question? Who is that? I want to know. And so what does Philip do? Look at your Bible again. Verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. That's it right there. This morning, I'm just saying right now this morning, here's the answer. It's Jesus. We're celebrating Mountain View Baptist Church today, but I'll tell you what we're really celebrating, Jesus Christ. Because without him, this is meaningless. Without Jesus, 25 years is, is, is worthless. 
It's about Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. It's about Jesus Christ who, who when John was there and John was baptizing and Jesus came walking and John stopped and pointed his disciples and said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. It's about Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation talks about Jesus Christ that was slain, the Lamb of God, for our sins. That's what Philip preached to this man, Jesus. 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 But then the eunuch still had a mistake in his mind. Because when Philip's preaching Jesus, he says, what hinders me from being baptized? He had a desire to be baptized. Remember at Pentecost, 3,000 saved and what? Baptized. This eunuch has just been to Jerusalem. People are talking about all those people being baptized. And the eunuch says, I saw that. Those people. I want to be a part of it. It must be baptism. And I want to tell you something. The vast majority of Christian type religion will tell you it's baptism. It's all over the world. Baptism, baptism, baptism. Philip didn't look at him and say, buddy, if you want to get baptized... Here's some water. Let's get baptized. He answered him biblically. He said, what does hinder me from being baptized? And Philip said in verse 37, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. You see, salvation is not a matter of intellect or knowledge. It is a matter of believing with your heart. True faith. True faith. And the question this morning that God would have to have all of us answer, do you have true faith? Have you believed in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ? That he died on the cross, he was buried, and God raised him from the third from the grave on the third day according to the scriptures. Isn't that simple? It's so simple, isn't it? But it's so powerful because it's the truth. And if you add to that or you take away from that, it's not Jesus Christ. It's a false Jesus. It's a false religion. It's salvation by works and not by grace and faith. And you know what? Nobody knows that but you. Because, see, I don't have a way to come down here and look at hearts. It's impossible. It's impossible for someone to know your heart. Only God. I'm so thankful this morning that when I look at the scriptures, I can answer for one person in this room this morning. Bill Smith. I know that on March the 5th of 1988, about 11 o'clock at night, I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ with my heart. And God saved me. He made me a new person. He took all my sins away, past, present, and future. They are under the blood of Christ. 
And when this body goes to the dirt, don't cry. Because I'm going to be in heaven with Jesus forever. Not because of my church, but because of Jesus. This morning, you have to answer that question with your heart. What does the Bible say? And when that eunuch looked at Philip and he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He commanded the chariot to stand still and they went both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Baptism doesn't save us. It's Jesus Christ. But you have to believe with your heart. And if you've already admitted that with Christ, praise God, you can say you're going to heaven. Amen. I hope that you obeyed God and got baptized. Amen. If not, Pastor, here's water. (laughs) I need to get baptized. But if you're sitting here today and you say, I'm religious. I try good things. But I've never truly believed with my heart. Then God says you need to be saved. You're like those sheep gone astray. And the only way to be born again is Jesus Christ. And you might be saying, I get that, but how? Well, there's people all around this building right here today that could take a Bible and sit down and tell you what Jesus did for them. And what Jesus did for them, guess what he can do? He can do it for you. But how can you help somebody that won't say, I don't understand? It's impossible. But when somebody says, how can I understand? I need someone to show me. Then God says, here's someone that can show you. Let's bow our heads and let's pray today. Father.